Welcome to the Edge Talk Radio Network, your weekly source for information, empowerment, and connection. The Edge Magazine and its advertisers bring you inspired interviews and conversation on learning and healing, on our sacred journey, and on topics that expand beyond time and space. Now, welcome today's host. In the West, theology has almost always meant Christian theology, a hodgepodge of beliefs that are hard to make sense of. Why, for example, should an all-loving, merciful God have gotten mad at the human race because someone ate a piece of fruit 6,000 years ago? And why would he send part of himself down to earth to be tortured to death? These beliefs, stated badly, are nonsensical. Millions of people are realizing this and losing their faith. The time has come to re-envision Christian theology without contradictory teachings laced with fear. It's time for a theology of love and miracles. Richard Smalley reframes Christian theology using logical, consistent, and easy-to-understand teachings of unconditional love and forgiveness. Now, his book, A Theology of Love, Reimaging Christianity Through a Course in Miracles, a spirituality based on love, not fear. This is Kathy Taylor, and I am excited to bring to you this conversation that I recently had with Richard so that you can hear for yourself how you can re-image Christianity through A Course in Miracles and shift to a spiritually based love, not fear. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Richard Smalley. So Richard, are you there? Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking this time to talk to the EDGE community. And there's just no better time to talk about how to navigate from fear-based dogma to a faith-based inspiration than now. It's just, Mm -hmm. can you begin to kind of give our audience just a little background of the Course in Miracles and how that relates to Christianity and then ultimately how that topic is so relevant with respect to the current situation on the planet? Sure. Well, I think a lot of people have come to the conclusion that conventional Christian theology simply doesn't make much sense, that somehow everybody has been condemned to hell, except those people who believe that God sent him part of himself down to have it tortured to death, which somehow Mm -hmm. redeemed everything, (laughs) except except not really, because if you don't believe this, you're still damned. And this Mm -hmm. this has never made any sense, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's... Its ridiculousness uh, has just become more and more obvious, and a lot of uh, uh, even formerly loyal Christians have you know, simply lost faith in it. So mm-hmm. that's where that's where we start from. And of course, in miracles, which my book, A Theology of Love, discusses, among many other things, uh, is what's called a channel of teaching. That is to say. The person who actually wrote the words down did not believe that she was the author, but she wasn't were taking dictation. Mm-hmm. And th- this happened in the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And this material is pulled together and took the form of a 1,200-page book, which is, as it says, a course. It consists of a text, a workbook, and a teacher's manual, amongst some other material. And it presents a completely different theology, uh, one that unlike just about every Christian theology in the last 2,000 years, actually does make sense. 
even apart from the fact that it's a lot more emotionally satisfying. Mm-hmm. And the, the essence of it is this, uh, this fall that Christianity keeps telling us about uh, is a fall into the reality that we now know. And even the Bible says so in that it says, well, you're going to have to go into in Genesis. It says you're going to have to go to a realm where you have to work hard for a living and it hurts to have babies. And that's where it is. You know, mm-hmm. by the sweat of your eye, brown shall you eat your bread. So that is this world. And Genesis, the Genesis myth is true, of course, not in a literal sense, but uh, in a very powerful symbolic sense. That is to say, the human race collectively wanted to know what good and evil was, to eat of the fruit of the knowledge, a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And we did, uh, because I can say infallibly to you and to everyone who's ever going to listen to this, that you have known some good and some evil in your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can say that without the slightest fear of refutation. Mm-hmm. So the, hum- the human race, uh, we came down here to know what good is and evil is like. Um, but it feels like a trap. Mm-hmm. And it's a trap that sometimes we can manage to accommodate ourselves to. But it's a world of great uncertainty, fear, and uh, if, as many people uh, have said, if this is a world that God created, God would be cruel. God, mm-hmm. would, be, God mm-hmm. would be evil. Uh, no, this is a world we chose to live in apart from God. And that's why things are so awful. And are things completely awful? No, because if it were, this world were totally evil, it would be totally cut off from God. And it would simply not exist. So mm-hmm. it is a mixture of good and evil. Mm-hmm. So it's that uh, separation and, uh, then that you're really saying. Me? So it's that separation so, from God yes, that really yes. results in yeah. evil, which is live spelled backwards. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's going the opposite way of the light. So, mm-hmm. okay, so go ahead, please. Well, so the, the remedy for this is to realize that this is not in some fundamental sense a real world. It's a world we kind of flung ourselves into a world of illusion by believing we could be separate from God. Mm-hmm. And all we, all we have to do is to realize that God didn't want this to happen. At some level, it really didn't happen. And we have to make our way back, which sometimes feels very slow and painful. But making our way back, according to course, as I say in my book, uh, entails forgiveness. Because if this is all just kind of a a totally uh, made-up reality, made up by the ego, which is what the course calls it, the ego Mm -hmm. is not the psychological ego, uh, but the ego is the principle that wants to be and believes it can be separate from God. And it is kind of, shall we say, the world's a generator. It, it doesn't create a world, but it create it makes our perceptions of the world. Mm-hmm. And all and what, all we have to do is to wake up from this, which usually happens in a very gradual way. So you can see all of the great mystical traditions are always saying, 
this world is illusory. This is unreal. What you're seeing mm-hmm. is not really here. This is this is almost universal. And this mm-hmm. explains why. Uh, because, in a sense, it isn't. Mm-hmm. And so our salvation comes not from uh, being delivered from our sins. And our sins can only take place in a world, this world, which is ultimately unreal, but in waking up to the truth. And the truth is, mm-hmm. because it's true, it's always there, it's a question of how much and how far we can open ourselves up to it. And that means, at one level, practicing complete forgiveness and also complete trust in God. Mm-hmm. So, Richard, the forgiveness is forgiving whom? Everybody, including yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nobody did anything wrong in the real world. Mm-hmm. In this world, the world we know, yeah, there, there are laws and there are policemen and there are jails and there are codes of etiquette. So in this world on this level, yeah, there's plenty of right and wrong. But mm-hmm. in the world that God created, none of us ever existed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, the only way to free yourself is to realize this and stop being caught in this quid pro quo of, they did it to me, so I'm going to do it to them, you know, uh, and which is basically the whole uh, thing that the world is predicated on. Right. And mm-hmm. the, this this has never worked. It doesn't work now. It didn't work 6,000 years ago. It's not going to work 6,000 years from now. If it would have, it would have worked by now. Mm-hmm. So as the Course also says, at some point, everybody has to realize there must mm-hmm. be a better way. Mm-hmm. And that is what it is pointing to. So this mm-hmm. is a very reassuring message in that everything you think is, is wrong and uh, upsetting isn't really real, and you can be freed from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a question of acceptance, uh, of trust, of both love and forgiveness. And I think it's a terribly reassuring message in a time like this. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Moving away from that sense of being a victim, a yeah. victim to everything that's going on in the planet at this time. So that's why I was excited to have this conversation with you today because I think people are really up against having to make that choice of yep. whether they're going to feel like a victim or whether they're going to reconnect and expand where they do have some empowerment. Yep. And here's how the course puts it. The course has a workbook with 365 daily lessons. Each is a short sentence. And it says, uh, one lesson is, I am not the victim of the world mm-hmm. I see. Mm-hmm. Uh, number, another one is, I have invented the world I see. Mm-hmm. Another is, I can escape from the world I see by giving up attack thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is that is a very, very short uh, shall we say, digest of the Course's teaching. It's a lot to swallow because we do want to believe that we were just thrown into this world um, willy-nilly, that, uh, and at a very, but at a, at a very, very, very deep level. Mm-hmm. This, this is a mistake. This is far beyond uh, the levels of conscious and unconscious as um, even designated by psychology. This is like a primordial mistake. Mm-hmm. It gave rise to everything. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a big step, but it's a step that can be taken easily uh, and 
of course, his solution is to turn uh, everything over to the Holy Spirit, who is the principle of reconciliation, um, and who can bridge the gap between the real world, the world in which uh, there is no sorrow, and can also see this world and bring one to the other and heal this world. That's called the atonement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I know one of the things about Course in Miracles is that it's very rich in these study groups that actually get together and work through those, I guess, the 365-page workbook, I would assume. But that brings that, that sense of, of cooperation and community to the teachings as well, I would assume. Yeah. Um, there are all sorts of study groups. Most of the ones I've participated in have been very small, generally met mm-hmm. in someone's living room, and um, generally practices to read a little bit of the course, and eventually it starts a discussion. And, you know, sometimes the discussion is very profound and helpful. Sometimes, of course, it goes off track, as, as things do. But I generally think that the people who are in those groups, the ones that I've experienced are people of very high level, and um, a lot of them, including me in certain points in my life, were going through some very, very difficult things. And, you know, the support of these groups and these communities um, can be very helpful. Now, there are, mm-hmm. all sorts, there are groups that start with Lesson 1 every year at New Year's Day and go through all mm-hmm. 65. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, know, you know, people can do it in that more structured way. Most of these groups, uh, you know, have a range of people uh, from I just heard about this stuff to I've been studying it for decades. And uh, I think that's a good thing because it's that mixture of levels of expertise and interest, um, it can be very fertile for all concerned. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, Richard, what does your book offer with respect to it's the ways to craft your own self-consistent theology? What does that look like for the listener? Well, it means that you can have a set of beliefs that makes rational sense, that is wholly loving, and in which um, you do not have to posit an evil God because there's no such thing, or, or a vindictive God, which is comes mm-hmm. to the same thing. Uh, so you can be totally free from this. Um, now, theology is a daunting word. And nothing could sound more irrelevant, no more, particularly in days like this, nothing could sound more abstract and irrelevant than theology. Mm-hmm. But theology is not optional. You will have a theology whether you want one or not. Because even if you believe in nothing, you still have a set of beliefs about God and the universe. If, if you believe that everything is just about money or dying with the most toys, that's a theology, too. It's just not a very good one. Mm-hmm. And it's one that's likely to make you die very, very lonely and very, very disappointed. <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, so the idea is, can you have a theology, a set of views about the world that both make sense to your reason and to your intuitive sense that, as everybody says, love is the answer. It's all about love. Well, yes, it is. Um, mm-hmm. And um, so that is what my book is pointing people toward. So, you know, I am not a person who will just say, well, you just have to let go of the head and just follow your heart. No, you have to integrate it. You, you, you have to have the heart. 
You have mm-hmm. to have the emotional caring, the compassion. Yes, you do. You have to have that feeling of no heart. But you're, you also have a brain. And if, if those two things aren't working together in some kind of way, you're going to have a disconnection that, um, mm-hmm. well, it's not going to be satisfying at the very least. So mm-hmm. this is a way of connecting the head, the heart side. It's not a way to say, uh, you know, it's all, the head is all just monkey mind or mind chatter, that sort of thing, which you hear so often in the New Age circles. No, um, intellectual clarity is important. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, just you don't want to be purely sentimental, but you don't want to be purely intellectual and abstract either. It's, it's a matter mm-hmm. of integrating those two. And I think that's one thing my book, which is called The Theology of Love, uh, points people toward. Mm-hmm. Balance. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And integration. Mm-hmm. One has to know, you know, one hand has to know what the other hand is doing, so to speak. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, so Richard, how do you uh, feel that this could be applicable to people right now, currently, with what's flooding the planet with this pandemic? Well, I think with all these things, uh, the, the most sensible answer is a, is a balanced one. That is to say, you're not walking around in complete denial. All of the course says, you know, I am in danger nowhere in the world. Um, yeah, that that is probably a, a deep level true. But, um, you know, I don't want to push it too much either. You know, that's not tempt the Lord by God. Um, so the one side is this, like, total obliviousness which many people and many, unfortunately, um, public leaders uh, have gone into. On the other hand, you don't want to go into the extreme of panic, hiding under your bed after you bought every last roll of toilet paper in your county. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, As usual, there's a balance. There's myself, the way I feel. Um, Yes, miraculous healings are possible. Healing is of the mind alone. That's what the Course says. But at the same time, you know, there are public safety precautions or public health warnings which are out there that I, you know, uh, observe uh, and live by and respect, um, if only not to create further fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so I think you have to balance it between, you know, you know, just sheer panic and um, uh, response and bloodiness and just scrolling through as if nothing is wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, most in most situations in life, this kind of balanced approach is the best in all areas. Mm-hmm. Aristotle said that virtue is a mean. Well, what is what is virtue? Well, there's generosity, and that's a mean between stinginess and being a spendthrift. And he went through all the virtues, and he, he proved impressively that they are balances between these extremes. Mm-hmm. And that's all I'm advocating here. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to repeat. I'm not going to repeat the public health warnings because I'm not an expert and it's not my place to say what mm-hmm. you should do, X, Y, and Z. But I think, you know, respecting them while living, you know, a life that, you know, is essentially fearless, essentially um, free of worry about the next day without the fear like, you know, the whole sky is going to cave in on you is, is the best approach to this. And, you know, at the same time to be, you know, compassion of others. There are other people who are freaking out and, you know, it does no good for you or them to make them freak out anymore. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the basic 
approach I would have. And, you know, really, for all of the theology that I've given in the last few minutes, I'm really talking about just basic common sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And staying centered. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Being smart but not paranoid. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing about it is, um, particularly with people with spiritual aspirations, you know, your marching orders haven't changed, and they're not going to change. You still have to do your own inner work, mm-hmm. When, mm-hmm. whether uh, the world is collapsing or appears to be collapsing, or whether everything is just fine. You have mm-hmm. your own inner work to do, and that inner work inevitably involves some kind of service and compassion for others. Because uh, one thing, <laughs> oh, by the way, here's uh, another highly esoteric teaching, which is highly um, difficult to absorb. It, the Course says God has only one Son. We are all the Son of God. Mm. Um, so and because we're all one, <laughs> you're not in this alone. You're necessarily mm-hmm. linked to everyone else. So every act of, shall we say, redemption, or forgiveness, or whatever that you can uh, do helps everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you see it? Are you going to be able to see it? No, you're not going to be able to see it. It will have effects that you've never even heard of, you never thought of on people you don't know exist. But they're there anyway. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how this whole pandemic is really leveling the playing field and bringing us all into having to deal with something that is external, but it is taking it back to the way that we deal with it is really between us and our creator. And that's, that's where that, that balance is going to be. We can't blame over here or blame over there with, with much validity anyway. You know, no, it's, it's and, interesting. Well, as you've already seen, um, there's an enormous amount of blame being thrown around. And I think it's obvious to any sensible thinking person that none of this blame does any good and it does right. only harm. Right. Absolutely, it, absolutely no good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one, it's one thing that, all right, here's a situation you have to deal with it. Uh, going around and saying it's your fault, no, no, it's your fault, your fault is absolutely um, counterproductive. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's an important thing to remember too. As much fun, and let's face it, uh, blaming people is like one of the most fun games you can play, and we all indulge in it. Uh, but it's not a good habit to be in. Well, there's always the other side of the coin, which is the shame that comes back at you. <laughs> you know, it's like you can't do much blaming without having some some reservoir of, of shame with it. So, it's again, it comes back to what you were saying before, that balance and that integration. Yeah. Oh, and also, you're not going to um, – the Course talks, and I, I discuss this in my book, talks about projection. Right. All of, all of the evil you see in others is – things that you have or think you have in yourself, but you don't want to see. Mm-hmm. So you project them onto, well, your favorite political enemies. I mean, you know, everybody has their own little uh, nest of political enemies, and I'm certainly not going to take any position on those, but mm-hmm. it, it all comes to the same thing. You're projecting all of this onto these people. It's their fault. You secretly believe somehow it's your fault. Uh, and but you can't deal with this. You can't face this at all consciously. So it's always them. It's always them. Mm-hmm. Of course, they're doing it to you. And you just add all that up, and you have the world as it is now. Like, mm-hmm. If you like it, fine. If you don't, well, maybe there's another way. 
Mm-hmm. Well, this is very illuminating, and I think it's it's a very timely book on this subject. And I thank you for taking the time in your busy schedule to to sit with me and to share this with the Edge community. Well, it's been a real pleasure. I, I really enjoyed talking with you and really enjoyed your questions. My book is called The Theology of Love. My name is Richard Smoley, and um, I hope um, your readers, um, sorry, your listeners will read it. I'm sure they will, and thank you. Thank you again, Richard, for taking this time. My pleasure. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.